So welcome to the Leading from the Inside Out podcast. I'm Daryl Black, and I'm here to talk about specifically two concepts, two tools, two techniques around decision-making that you can start to use to move your team, yourself, your business, your organization forward, especially during uncertain times. Now, I get it. I get it. It's hard to make a decision, especially when times are tough, right? When, when we don't have all the information, we are struggling to even you know navigate our own lives. Lives, let alone at work and, and, you know, with our organization, our businesses. And sometimes the price of the wrong decision is very, very significant. So a lot of times we're actually risk averse. And I totally understand that. And sometimes the perception is the bigger the stakes of the decision, then, you know, the more time you need to take, the more information you need, the more analysis that has to happen. And while that's completely true in a lot of instances, frankly, perfectionism, especially around decision-making, keeps you stuck. And when we talk about momentum, momentum is a thing, but we, we can't articulate it so or we can't see it. It's not tangible. But correct me if I'm wrong, but when we're watching a sporting event, let's say, it's very easy to see a team that has momentum. Things are just starting to flow in their way. The the puck or the ball or whatever it is, you know, all the bounces are, are going their way. Things are, are really moving and the quote unquote luck is always good and it's favoring the team. And, and you can look at it and say, yeah, they really have momentum. And then let's say that uh, a goal gets scored against that team. And now the opposing team, which did not have the momentum now has it. And so momentum is, is it's present within sports, but it's also present with regard to team dynamics incidents when we're dealing Dealing with chaotic uh, situations, say COVID-19 or something like that. Momentum is something that I think we often as leaders underrate. And so one of the big killers of momentum is analysis paralysis around making decisions. And if you want to get momentum, and, and again, it's, it's so hard to talk about because we don't really know, we, we can't put our finger on it and kind of look at it. But we know if we have it and we know if we don't. So teams feel that. And, and if you think about it, if you've ever been on a high-performing team before, you know, things have just clicked. Things have just clicked. And it feels really good to be part of that team. But then there are other times when you don't have that momentum and it is exhausting. It's exhausting. Like maybe the coach won't make a decision on, you know, a particular play or whatever that is. And it's frustrating. So momentum is something that's really, really important. As I said, I think as leaders, it's really, really something that's that's underrated or we don't pay enough attention to. But again, I get it. I totally understand why we are risk averse to make decisions, especially when we don't have all the information. We're actually, our default setting is to be fearful of the unknown. And if you think about that, that, that is a completely normal, natural, healthy default setting. And it goes way back, and I've talked a lot about stress management, but it goes way back to our cave person ancestors. And I wanted my cave person ancestors to be pessimistic. I wanted them to fear the unknown. I wanted them to always think worst case scenario. And if you think about it, the reason the reason I say that is because, well, if I'm my caveman ancestor, he's walking with his cave family. And uh, first of all, he shouldn't be taking the day off, first and foremost, because they got to eat. But anyways, that aside, so maybe he did decide to take the day off and he's walking along with his cave wife and his two cave kids and there's a noise in the bushes. Well, from a survival perspective, the last thing humanity needed, like me, basically, the last thing we needed was the caveman to say, hey, cave kids, go check that out. 
that looks like something that's, you know, maybe it's a baby dinosaur that we can play with and, and we can take it back to the cave. No, because it represented a threat. And so that is a completely normal default setting, which again, I'm so glad that we have. Fast forward thousands of years from an evolutionary perspective, we still have stress. Even though we don't have dinosaurs, we don't have saber-toothed tigers, we still have stress and particularly stress around the unknown. And why is that? Well, because the unknown to us, the unknowns are different. Maybe it's not a saber-toothed tiger, but it's what will the consequences be of a particular decision. But our reaction to that unknown has not changed, and therein lies the challenge. So it's completely normal, it's completely natural to be risk-averse and to want more information before pulling the trigger, particularly if you belong to an organization that doesn't treat mistakes very well, and that's a whole cultural issue. So as we go through this as leaders, making sure that you are applying a lot of grace and respect and empathy to the team. So when they make the decisions, maybe it wasn't the, the great decision that you would have made, but learning from it. So that's something really, really important. But suffice to say, the, the two techniques and the two tools I'm going to give you tonight are and on this podcast will help you a lot. Kind of create that momentum, get out of this analysis paralysis, and affect change on your environment. Don't be reacting all of the time. If you are creating momentum, if you're making decisions, if you're not waiting, 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 you will affect change and you will be much more proactive. People will be a lot more empowered. People will be, feel a lot more in control, feel a lot more confident. So that, that's really, really important. Now, before we deep dive too much further, a couple of uh, announcements to make that I'm super, super stoked about. First one is the summit, the Leading Through Chaos online summit. And it has been extremely well received. I'm very, very happy and proud in a way of, of how the summit has, has been going. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with the summit, just kind of the real brief synopsis of it is taking 12, well, 11 speakers plus myself and I've engaged in a great discussion with them around leadership and empathy and vulnerability and decision-making, a whole bunch of things like that. And we put it all together and are presenting it over the course of four days, three speakers each day. And each one has a unique take, uh, some nuances around leadership. And the feedback has been great because the world needs it right now. This is a great topic to introduce because as I record this, it's the quarantine of COVID-19. And I've had uh, an executive from LinkedIn contact me yesterday evening. So he's in Ireland. So I'm all confused with timing. But anyways, he wants me to sit on a video uh, panel talking about crisis leadership and, and uh, leading through uncertain times with a number of HR individuals and C-suite executives and things like that. So it, it's a really, really timely topic for sure. And so if you haven't registered for the summit, um, go ahead and do that. I'll leave it up there again. So it's www.ddbsummit.com. Uh, it's free COVID. Uh, it's COVID free, I guess, if that's a, that's a term. So that's, uh, that's the first announcement. The next one is my podcast episode is dropping tomorrow. And uh, so that is found on Apple and Spotify and Google platforms uh, primarily. And what I'm doing there is I'm introducing some of our speakers that we've had in the summit in the podcast. I'm also really excited because I've lined up a couple of just top, top drawer podcast guests for the next couple of weeks. And I've got a few more in the hopper as well. So super excited for that. So if you haven't subscribed on uh, Apple for uh, Lead from the Inside Out podcast, please 
head on over there at your leisure. So let's get into the actual two techniques. The reason this is so important and it's near and dear to my heart is because one of the biggest challenges that we have as leaders is you know making the right decision, at least the perception of making the right decision. But the reality is no matter what, no decision will be perfect. But I'll tell you one thing, perfectionism keeps you stuck. Overanalyzing keeps you stuck. You are not going anywhere as a leader, promotion-wise, uh, figuratively, any of those other things. You are not going anywhere until you can make a decision. Because really, that's the biggest difference. That's why leaders get paid the big bucks to make the decisions when other people aren't empowered to do that. So the first technique that I want to talk about is what I call the 80-20 rule. 80-20 rule. So essentially what it means is you get to 80% and you pull the trigger on that decision and you, you take action. Okay, so get to 80%, decide and act. And then the additional 20% Two things will are, are around that. One, figure that out as you go. So very smart people doing smart things that are experts in whatever it is they're doing will evolve that 20% and really fine tune it. Very, very important. Smart people doing smart things will take that 20% and improve it. The other thing you need to do when you get into that 20% zone is to constantly evaluate. So you get to 80%, you realize that you don't have all the information. You do have to make some assumptions, but you will not suffer from analysis paralysis. You act decisively. Smart people doing smart things will figure out the other 20% and you evaluate the heck out of it. So your job isn't done as a leader when you say, okay, reach my 80%, boom, away we go. And where the 80% comes from is a number of examples. And it's one that I use all the time in terms of uh, responding to emergencies and emergency management and things like that. Because in that environment, you have zero chance of having all the information. And it's a watch out for me personally that if for some reason, I think I have all the info. That's a red flag to me in itself to say, whoa, dude, you're missing something pretty important. So I've come up with this 80% to realize, to recognize that we won't have all the information, but what we do need to do is to move forward and momentum, 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 empower people, make them confident, give them a sense of control, like a locus of control by deciding and acting. So if you get to that 80%, act decisively, you evaluate the heck out of it, and you leave it up to the very smart people doing smart things to figure out that other 20%. And you support them as the leader for sure. And then what you do is you move on to the next decision and then and so on and so on. So what happens is you actually have a series of 80-20 decisions that have been made in the course of the time that you're waiting in a lot of other cases with and suffering analysis paralysis to get all the information. Meanwhile, though, if you're doing 80-20, Again, you're, you're iterating, you're, you're learning, you're adjusting, you're course correcting. And that is so, so important. So we would much rather be leaders that are making decisions, iterating, changing, evaluating, and improving bit by bit each day than the leader that's like, oh, pump the brakes, this isn't going to work for example. So that is the first technique. And we call it the 80-20 rule. The second one is what we call initiate or implement trigger points. Okay, trigger points. This one's a little bit, um, it, it's very, very important, very simple to do because as you know, I'm one of the pillars of my transformational leadership method is execution. And so what I'm talking to you about are these two decision-making tools that you can execute on decisions. So the second one is, so pay attention to, to the definition because it can be a little confusing. And then I will 
paint, uh, I'll give you an example or two. All right. So a trigger point is a predetermined action for a predetermined condition. Okay. I'll say that again. It is a predetermined action for a predetermined condition. In IT, it's if this happens, then that. So I-F-T-T-T or whatever it is. So essentially what we're saying there is if this happens, we will do that. So a whole bunch of things that, that go into that. And one of the reasons a trigger point is so critical in decision making is it allows us to make a decision. Remember that predetermined action? We can analyze that predetermined action. We can analyze it without emotion. We can analyze it and determine what it is by talking to subject matter experts. Again, whatever that might be for your business and for your team, it, it really doesn't matter. It's the principle that's very, very important. So what you want to do when you're determining this is, is you're figuring out times, you're figuring out resource requirements. Once you, you're, you're talking to all of the people, you're what-ifing like crazy. Right. If this, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and you can come up with the best plan ahead of time so that as the event goes on. So an example would be, let's say COVID-19 or any pandemic, you, an example of a trigger point in a team environment, let's say an HR department. Okay. So the trigger point would be if we are at 60% capacity. So that's the, that's the condition. We will do this. So it's maybe now uh, shut down certain supportive systems or go into you know skeleton mode, something like that. So if we have 60% capacity, we've lost 40% of our of our resources, we will do this. And the advantage to that, like I said, is is momentum. And so you you can really plan then when we get to 60%, what does that additional 40% look like? Well, then you can start making decisions. And by the way, use the 80-20 rule there because you'll never have all the answers. But that's what a trigger point is. So once you know what that trigger point is and you take your time and, and you really, as I said, you what if it like crazy. So once you have that trigger point, you've talked to all the experts, you've determined what it is, you've determined the conditions. Another important point is you need to communicate that trigger point out to people. So that they know. So an example would be with the HR, if you're 60% capacity, and so now you have to make some pretty big adjustments. Well, the CEO of the company needs to know. Any VPs need to know ahead of time. And as you're reaching that 60%, the other thing you're doing is you're communicating that out as far as the status. Saying, hey, right now we're at 50% capacity. When we reach 60 we're going into you know emergency mode. So a more concrete or geographic example is in emergency management. And there was a huge wildfire in northern part of the province, and it had already decimated a city, and it was on its way to a number of oil camps and, and accommodations and things like that, as many as 14,000 people to the north. So the fire is advancing. And so while we could have told people to evacuate, you know, 12 hours or, or two days before that, we didn't want to for a number of reasons. And, and it was a managed mitigated risk. So we decided to come up with a trigger point to say that if this big wildfire reaches this geographic point, then we will trigger the evacuation. No ands, ifs, or buts. So when we talk about that geographic location, some of the things we took into account, for example, and, and apply this into the private sector in your own situation, we determine how fast it's moving. We determine how long it would take people to evacuate, how they're going to evacuate, all those other things. 
And it was a very unemotional decision so that sure enough, when the fire reached a particular geographic location, in our case, a particular highway, nobody had to radio back and ask permission and say, hey, hold on, what's happening with that? What do we do now? Everybody already had that trigger point. So once that fire went reach that geographic point, that's what we communicated. We said, all right, the fire's there. And all of the moving parts, all of the people, all the agencies, all the amazing first responders, all of the private sector, everybody involved enacted their part of the plan. And what's really interesting, just as a bit of an aside, the feedback in what we call the emergency operations center in this particular case was really interesting because the people that were working with us um, maybe weren't as used to these types of things as, as we were. And so there were four of us out of the 80 in this in this room. And the wonderful, amazing person working with me that she was shadowing me because she was going to be taking over, she's after it was all said and done, after we had initiated the evacuation, she's like, Hey Daryl, can I uh can I talk to you? Like, yeah, sure. She's like, um, that was really weird. So I was kind of like, okay, wh- what do you mean by that? Well, she said, we expected the exact opposite. When we reached this, when the fire reached this geographic location, we expected you guys to go like crazy and get all hectic. But she said it was the funniest thing because you four were the calmest in the room. And I really thought about that. And she was right. First of all, we were absolutely totally at peace, totally calm, totally confident in the decision. And the reason we were able to be like that is because we had already done all of the work ahead of time. We had already done the what ifs. We had already communicated it out. We already had contingency plans, all those other things. So we felt very comfortable with once the fire reaches there, we're good. So those are the the two techniques I wanted to talk to you about. The 80-20 rule, get to 80%, act and let the 20% get figured out by smart people doing smart things and evaluate the heck out of it because you can make a lot more 80-20 decisions than you can making none when you have analysis paralysis. So if you're doing that, people have a sense of control, a sense of, of confidence. They're empowered. They're moving forward. They, they just feel really good about it. And the second one is the trigger point, which is a predetermined action for a predetermined condition. Okay. So those are the two. Now, what are the, the repercussions of not implementing even those two? And those are two of four or five that um, are part of my transformational leadership and crisis leadership program. What, what, what are the ramifications if you don't do the 80-20 or you don't establish trigger points? Well, for one, analysis paralysis. That has killed many, 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 many an organization, many a team, many an agency. Insert whatever entity that is. Analysis paralysis suffocates everybody. Nobody wants to be part of an organization or part of a team that never moves forward. Nobody want, Nobody respects a leader that refuses to make a decision and take a calculated risk. Very, very difficult to create respect and trust in that environment. So the other thing is you will never get ahead of it. You will ne- never get ahead of the curve. You will always be reacting. And that is exhausting. That is absolutely exhausting. I know for me, I've had many a day where just trying to get ahead of this thing and I was busy, 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 but I wasn't productive. One of the reasons was I was making reactive decisions when frankly, if we had created, if we had just 
done the 80-20 or we had initiated trigger points, man, life would have been so much easier, so much easier. And that's okay because a lot of people will want to analyze to death every decision, every piece of data. And, and I understand it, like I said, but I'm telling you, as a leader, you have to make decisions and you have to create momentum. You have to be confident. You have to be in control. And one of the best ways of doing that is by taking action and deciding to move forward. And even if the decision turns out to be not awesome, that's okay. Because remember, a big part is you're evaluating it. People will hitch their wagon to you all day long if you're moving forward and you're improving rather than just keep having this big parachute on your back. Trust me on that one. So hopefully you've found some value here and those are two, you can execute on, on those two decision-making concepts tomorrow. And it might feel a little uncomfortable if you're not used to it, for sure. And I, I understand that, but get used to it. Get used to it. Maybe it's 90-10 to start, but then build back to that 80-20. Create trigger points. And trigger points are so good because you can also just offload them to people on your team as well. Say, hey, can you two run away and you know figure out some trigger points for this particular initiative or, or something like that? Now, my last call to action for you is, again, if you haven't signed up for the summit, www.ddbsummit.com. It's free. It's four days of pre-recorded goodness and golden information found in amazing speakers. And these are individuals that have led teams during 9-11, World Trade Center and the Pentagon, hurricanes, mega fires, Boston Marathon bombings, floods, you name it. And these are individuals, again, that led through these experiences, not just were low person on the totem pole. And when you talk about decision making, each one of them in the summit talked about how to make a decision in uncertain times. So tremendously valuable. It's free. And so I would encourage you to sign up there. So thank you very much for listening. And um, we will see you again on the or hear you'll hear me again on the lead from the inside out podcast.